Mary Brown's? No, 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Should you have been driving if you thought 7-Eleven chicken was a good idea? No, yeah, I was completely fine. I always think it's a good idea. Like, how classy do you think I am? <laughs> um, you almost wore sweatpants to my wedding. So. Exactly. So I might go get some 7-Eleven chicken right after this podcast. <laughs> They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy Dancing with the Stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 29 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. It is Fraser uh, and Kura. And it's funny, uh, we had said we were going to go to monthly after the Grey Cup, but uh, the internet basically blow up, blew up with CFL news. Yeah, it was a crazy week in the CFL, but first, right off the top, got to give a shout-out. So I'm sitting today at work. There's a guy there, you know, working on some lights, having a little electrical problems in our building. Hopefully uh, nothing's exploding, uh, so that's why we brought in this guy by the name of Chris. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and weirdly enough, I, I started having a conversation with a guy in my newsroom, and I'm, he's also a listener. I'm going to call him out Adam. Adam's a bit of a – he's an Edmonton boy, been an Eskimos fan his whole life. Moves to Saskatchewan, all of a sudden decides he's going to keep transitioning between, you know, the Eskimos and the Riders. So finally I sit him down one day and be like, listen, man, it's a nine-team league. You can't be a filthy bandwagon jumper because the only reasons you have for being able to abandon your team is completely inept ownership. Or if your team happens to leave the city, then you're then you're a free agent. Last time I checked, the Edmonton Eskimos are a pretty good team with pretty solid ownership, so you're not allowed to. So I got, you know, you know, Angry John kind of came out. So the minute the Angry John voice is heard, the guy working on the lights, Chris, turns around. He's like, you the guy from 2 and Out? I'm like, this is great. The, the funny thing is, I've maybe been recognized for being on the radio here in Saskatoon once or twice. Uh, we've now almost equaled that mark uh, from uh, Chris coming by, a big podcast listener, and uh, working in the building. So, hey, man, thanks for listening. Great to meet you today. My absolute favorite part of that story is that when you're nice, level-headed, John, nobody really knows who you are, and then you get fired up, hey, that's John from 2 and out. <laughs> I almost feel like that, you know, when we do make it to a Grey Cup again and we can meet some of the great uh, two and out listeners, I almost feel like <laughs> I just have to yell a lot and then people will just kind of find us. Like, all I have to do is feed you Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Red Bulls. <laughs> Red Bulls and anger. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll hide Legos in your shoes so every oh, time you put your shoes oh, on. There's nothing worse than that. <laughs> And yeah, you got a little one, so you're going to have to watch out for those Legos very soon, man. <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? My parents uh, stick tap to them. They kept all my Legos from when I'm a kid, nice! so when Max is old enough, it's going to he's literally getting like a a giant like Tupperware bin full of Legos. So, but you know what? Enough about the talk. Um otherwise we're going to get called the social again and after <laughs> watching their hosting gig during the Grey Cup, 
Um, no comment. Uh, so either way, uh, let's get into some football talk. Obviously, crazy busy week around the CFL. Yes, we have a guest joining us, Darren Bombing from TSN 1290 in Winnipeg. So without further ado, let's get right to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the 2 and Out podcast. And in what has been an absolutely insane week in the Canadian Football League, it sounds like everybody's been offered new jobs except for Travis and I. So we're going to bring in what a man gives? I respect the heck out of. Well, I, I, I haven't been offered a new gig. Have you, Travis? No. Oh, well, how about we ask our guest, Winnipeg Blue Bombers and CFL reporter for TSN 1290 in Winnipeg, Darren Bombing. Uh, Darren, have you been offered any jobs by Saskatchewan this week? No, nothing by Saskatchewan, that's for sure. I don't think, uh, just the, the way I've been covering the Blue Bombers for the last few years, I don't think they're going to reach out to me anytime soon. <laughs> See, I was hoping you didn't say, yeah, CJWW in Saskatoon offered me a job. Then I would have all of a sudden been going, oh, geez, you want to trade houses or something? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it may be against popular opinion, but there's worse places in the world to work. You know what? Saskatoon and Winnipeg, great cities. Unlike, you know, Red Deer where Travis hey, works, right? At least I'm not in Fort McMurray. <laughs> Sorry, or people. If only we were getting paychecks like we were working in Fort McMurray. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Right? No kidding. Can we, can we have the McMurray paycheck and work from our homes in in our respective, respective cities? I'm down with that. So, so am I. Either way, enough nonsense off the top. We're all about the nonsense. We're going to start in Winnipeg, where, of course, seemingly out of nowhere, I'm just skimming through my Twitter feed, and I see this video pop up from the Blue Bombers Twitter saying, hey, welcome new offensive coordinator Paul Lapolis. And, hell, uh, Darren, I was half expecting that to be a prank seeing you or Gary Lawless in costume or something just to mess with Bomber (laughs) fans, but... Lo and behold, there it is. Paul Lapolis is the offensive coordinator in Winnipeg. Uh, what's there, First off, I know what my reaction was as a Blue Bombers guy. I was pumped. What was the city's reaction like? I think people are excited, and, and uh, I'll be honest with you. It's not the most surprising thing happening at 6 p.m. on a Monday evening, seemingly, you know, uh, you know uh, irrelevant to the news cycle, uh, as, as most people would kind of pay attention to. Uh, it was surprising to hear it happening at that moment, but not surprising that it, it did happen. I remember back in 2012 when Paul Police was fired, you know, matter of months after getting the Blue Bombers to the Grey Cup and ultimately not winning that game. Uh, when, when he was fired, that was a huge surprise. This isn't a surprise, and, and to answer your question, people are excited because Paul Police has seen a lot of success, uh, you know, in, in charge of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was the offensive coordinator uh, about 13 years ago in 02 and 03. And in those years, I believe it was 02, he broke 14 team records on offense. Uh, as his quarterback, um, you know, didn't have exactly that level of quarterbacking with Buck Pierce. Used a, a strong defense when he was the head coach to bring that team to the Grey Cup. And now he's got a nice young quarterback in Drew Willie. I think he's got some pieces along the offensive line and some good young players in Matthias Gosen and uh, and Suk Chung, who he raved about, uh, you know, in his brief uh, comments about the offensive line in his introductory press conference on on Tuesday. They have work to do as far as bringing in talent on offense, in particular finding some depth at running back and finding a lot of more, a lot more help uh, in the receiving core. But it sounds like Paul Apolise isn't just going to be running the offense. He's going to finally have a hand in uh, the personnel decisions on offense, something I think he was very hamstrung with 
when he was under general manager Joe Mack and, and was ultimately fired in 2012. And I don't. I remember in 2012 when he was fired. I don't think there was a single bomber fan out there that really thought it was La Police's fault. Now, am I mistaken? Is there and is there any negative vibes in the city in regards to this hire? Just everything I've read has been almost entirely positive. No, and I, I think most of it should be positive. There are, of course, you know, in, in any fan base, a couple outliers that are saying, "Well, you know, he's been fired twice before. Why should we bring back?" Uh, you know, a familiar face just because he's a Winnipegger, just because he calls Winnipeg home and, you know, has his wife and children uh, here. And, and, you know, because he's been here before, it's a familiar name. Just bring him back for that sake. But he was probably the top candidate out there. You look at Jarius Jackson, uh, you look at, at potentially Kahari Jones or, uh, you know, Tommy Condell. Some teams were calling the Hamilton Tiger Cats to ask for permission to speak with him. Uh, no dice there. Hamilton is, is hanging on really tight uh, to their coaching staff, including defensive coordinator Orlando Steinauer. Uh, but Paul Apolise, he's been out of football, or I should say he's been out of coaching football for three years and three months. That's quite a stretch of time, but I've been told that he's you know, been doing a lot of professional development, 12 professional visits to the United States, to NCAA programs wow. and NFL teams. He's been able to objectively watch the league, which I think is a huge, of huge importance because normally when you're watching uh, you know, games around the CFL and uh, you know, you're, you're maybe game planning for some of them, you're looking at teams for weaknesses for, uh, you know, as if they're your opponents. He's been looking at teams from a very objective standpoint. Nobody is his opponent. All of them are just, uh, you know, an opportunity for him to provide, you know, gain insight into what works, what players he likes out there. And uh, I think that's going to benefit him greatly uh, in a year where there's also a lot of free agency because of the new CBA rules and the one-year contract. So Paul Apolis, uh, you know, I, I think his offense is going to look very fresh. And, uh, you know, he's also going to have a chance to bring in some fresh faces uh, to help implement, uh, you know, this new style offense. The word I, I could best describe the hire uh, from a Mike O'Shea perspective is is, is probably ballsy. Because let's face it, if this team starts 2-6, and six, well under five hundred by Labor Day, Mike O'Shea probably just hired his replacement. You were at the news conference where both men spoke, and I thought basically O'Shea's stance was one of, hey, if, if Paul lets us win, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, would you agree that it's, a, it's a, lack of a better term, ballsy hire by Mike O'Shea? No, I, I don't read into that way, and I, maybe I have a, you know, an outlier perspective on Mike O'Shea and, and his, uh, you know, the heat of the seat underneath him right now. Uh, obviously, he, O'Shea was asked if you know it was a you know a ballsy hire, you know that kind of storyline of uh, you know hiring his replacement, and he answered it the way I expected him to answer it. If you hire a crummy offensive coordinator, he's going to get fired anyway, and they're going to find another head coach in, in a you know maybe it's Richie Hall. He's been a head coach before as yeah. well, and now the defensive coordinator. Um, but no, he went out and he found the best candidate possible, and when Mike O'Shea took the job as head coach of this team in December of 2013, two years ago, almost to the calendar day, uh, he said he wanted to surround himself with experience. So he's done that. Uh, you know, it was Marcel Belfay, it was Gary Echeverry. Those guys didn't work out. I think those were more hires of uh, the best of a poor lot. Now he's brought in Richie Hall. I think it was a great hire. He's brought in 
uh, Paul Apolise, I also think was a great hire. And a lot of people here seem to think, and, and uh, really across the CFL, that O'Shea is really on the hot seat. And if they don't come out and start strong, if they're not a 500 or better football team by Labor Day, he's going to get fired. I'm personally not of that opinion. I think they're going to give Mike O'Shea another full season. And then Kyle Walters, president and CEO, Wade Miller, then they'll make a decision uh, as far as, as the direction they want to go at that point based on, on how Mike O'Shea and the Blue Bombers do in 2016. Personally, I also think the general manager, Kyle Walters, he's mm-hmm. the one that's more on the hot seat than anybody. I think he's done well in the draft the last couple of years. I think he's made some good moves in free agency and in uh, acquiring assets via trade, but he needs to do it again this year. And really, the Blue Bombers need all of those pieces to come together and find a winning season or it may finally uh, ultimately be a familiar scenario here in Winnipeg with the football club. They'll clean house and they'll start from scratch. Hey, don't tell me that, Bomber. I, I don't want to hear that, my friend. Uh, needless to say, you, you would probably know better than most of the outside perspectives. A quick aside myself, talking about Kyle Walters real quick. Um, I've always liked him since he was hired. I remember the first week he was hired in Winnipeg, I ran into him at a Saskatchewan Huskies game, and he's no fair-weather scout. He actually, this year when the Huskies were hosting the Manitoba Bisons, I was working the sidelines, and I looked to my left, there was a guy head to toe in Bomber rain gear. It was pouring sideways. Right on the sidelines with me, Kyle Walter. So just a quick aside on him. Uh, there is one more vacancy on that Blue Bomber staff, one that Mike O'Shea is obviously comfortable contributing to being the special teams coordinator, but a pretty good one. Just apparently cleaned out his office in Saskatchewan. Manitoba guy, former coach of the St. Vital Mustangs, former Manitoba Bisons coach, Bob Dice. Is there a match there at all, Darren? Well, don't get me started on the St. Patel Mustangs. I was a St. James Rod for the better part of a decade, and I, uh, I still hold, uh, you know, feelings, deep feelings inside for that program. But uh, I digress. I think Bob Dice would be a very good hire. Obviously, his son, Tristan, is uh, now entering, I believe, his third season after a red shirt year with the Manitoba Bisons. That's a nice thing to have, to be able to work in the same city where your son plays collegiate ball, because you can maybe stroll out of the office and catch a game uh, with your son that maybe you wouldn't be able to do if you were working elsewhere. That said... And, and Bob Dice being an excellent special teams coach and, and very capable uh, to be an offensive assistant uh, as well. Um, Michael Shea, I think, likes this job. I asked him in that press conference the other day if, if he is uh, you know, going to try to find one or if he's going to keep the job himself. And he says he's going to, quote, embark on that soon. Um, but ultimately, he says he likes the job. He likes the responsibilities. And we have to remember, this is what he was in charge of for the first five years of his coaching career with the Toronto Argonauts, was running special teams. Yeah. Uh, they, they had some trouble with Pat Tracy, and before they ultimately let him go this past offseason, I found Michael Shea took a couple weeks to, to maybe tweak some things and re-implement his own systems on special teams. But ultimately, as the weeks went by in those final six, eight weeks of the season, the special teams started to show a lot of good things. If the right guy is available, because I know BC and Edmonton are also looking for a special teams coach, if the right guy's there, they may hire him. If he's not, I don't think Mike O'Shea has any problem running special teams himself in Winnipeg. You did talk about uh, Paul Lapolis bringing in uh, or maybe having a little bit more input on the personnel side of things. Uh, as free agency looms, there's a lot uh, out there. Does that list begin and end with Andrew Harris? Yeah, it may. 
it may, and then a lot of people here would, would like to see that. Winnipeg has a very, uh, I, I've learned in particular, watching closely over the last couple of years, talking to fans and getting a feel for the community uh, a little bit more at large than I was. I'm a born and raised Winnipegger, but until you really start talking to fans uh, consistently year in and year out, that's when you really start to gauge how they feel about things. And Winnipeg has this feeling that there isn't enough homegrown talent on this mm-hmm. football team. It would be great if Andrew Harris was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber and continued to find the success he's, he's found in BC, obviously named an All-Star uh, earlier Wednesday, uh, being today, but uh, just, just for your, your podcast listeners that may be hearing this down the road, um, old radio habit of mine, I guess. Veteran Blue Bomber, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, I think it would be a great thing if he was here. What is the price right? I think you also have to be careful of Wally Buono. He's a savvy, savvy, maybe the most savvy uh, player personnel man in the CFL. When generally he's willing to let a player go, they don't have much left in the tank. Uh, but Harris had a great year. When he was used and utilized properly, he was very effective. But if he's going to sign in Winnipeg and you're going to have a Canadian at tailback, you better have some backups. So it's not just one signing in Andrew Harris. You have to make other considerations um, for you know who's going to maybe carry the ball if he gets hurt or if he needs to, to come out of the game. That said, the Blue Bombers started eight Canadians, one more than they needed to for the majority of the year. So maybe they have that luxury to be able to just sign Andrew Harris. We'll see. Moving on from Winnipeg to the rest of the CFL, and you mentioned Wally Buono in there, of course. He's returning to coaching in BC, has a couple job vacancies there uh, himself. Do you think BC's, the, the general consensus out there seems to be that they're going to take a jump from seeing Wally back on the sidelines, but remember, he, he wanted to retire a, a couple years ago. What are you expecting out of a Wally-led BC Lions team, Darren? Yeah, that's a great question. I think they're the biggest uh, unknown as far as the West Division this year. Obviously, Edmonton is entering that sort of territory as well. With you know, it seems like Ed Hervey's sitting in an empty office, uh, an empty office building right now uh, in Edmonton. Obviously, he's down in Las Vegas at the, at the general managers' meetings, but uh, you know, he's going to be going home and, and slowly trying to refill those offices. Uh, but BC, you know, I never bought into Jeff Tedford. I know I got into some. Uh, you know, heated uh, discussions with some of my colleagues about how much success he would find uh, in BC. Because when you have Wally Buono as your GM, really you just have to kind of worry about coaching, and then the talent's yep. going to be there. Um, but we don't know. We don't know what kind of uh, head coach Wally Buono is going to be. I think he's going to be capable. But BC was so hot and cold this year. Their offensive line started really cold and ended up being one of the top units in the league as the season went on. Uh, quarterbacking is obviously a question. I think Jonathan Jennings uh, oozes talent, and I think he's somebody uh, who's going to continue to develop and could start to open some eyes in the CFL. Do they bring back Travis Lule? Uh, obviously, Andrew Harris and who they're running back moving forward is going to be some decisions uh, are there. But they're a very talented team. They continue to, uh, to be that because of Wally Buono. I wish I had an answer for you. I really don't know how to gauge the BC Lions headed into 2016. I think a lot of it is going to depend on uh, the coordinators Wally Buono hires. You mentioned uh, Ed Hervey sitting in Edmonton with an empty office. Of course, that is uh, due to Chris Jones being uh, the vice president of football operations, the defensive coordinator, the head coach, the general manager. I think he's the new the drummer in Rush. Merchandise salesman, popcorn <laughs> vendor, part owner. And I think I saw him working at a Dairy Queen here in Saskatoon yesterday. <laughs> He's probably running the construction of the new Mosaic Stadium. I wouldn't. Be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get done in a hurry if he's in charge. 
<laughs> now, a lot of fans, especially Eskimo fans, think that they deserve uh, compensation for the Riders basically poaching their head coach and defensive coordinator. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's an interesting debate, and I know over the last couple of days, uh, you know, on our station uh, uh, in Winnipeg on TSN Radio, talking about, uh, you know, Chris Jones leaving, the loyalty, the lack thereof, but definitely the loyalty of his defensive staff uh, or his entire coaching staff coming with him to Regina, and also all of them, you know, they're going to be getting a ring uh, this spring, but they're also all going to be getting a raise for their new gigs, uh, you know, in Saskatchewan. And then along with that conversation, a parallel one in the National Hockey League and the Board of Governors meetings in Southern California right now, and them abolishing the executive and coaching uh, compensation that they implemented uh, about 11 months ago. It went in place January 1st, 2015. It's now December of the same year, and, and they've essentially scrapped it completely. Uh, Gary Bettman never liked it. I don't think a lot of teams liked it. It seemed completely unfair that you'd have to compensate a team to hire somebody that they fired. Now, in the CFL, it's a little bit different. I think it's kind of uh, a unique thing about the CFL that if you're willing, your organization is willing to give um, you know, a promotion to a coach um, or a personnel, an executive from another team uh, to come to your organization, that most teams will allow you to do that. We're seeing Hamilton is hanging on really tight to Steinhauer and to Tommy Condell, as I mentioned earlier, because I think Hamilton just feels they're that close to winning a great cup championship you know two appearances the last two years this year losing zach claris to injury late and, and losing in that eastern final um but you know maybe it's something the cfl should consider i'll say this jeffrey orridge has a lot of work to do in a lot of critical areas this is definitely on the back burner as far as what's important to focus on in the cfl i haven't been impressed with what he's done the first six months they fixed the logo well, that's Woo! one thing. They fixed, you know, they, they've, they've finally <laughs> updated the website. It's, it's finally a mobile-friendly website instead of the pre-smartphone uh, <laughs> you know, uh, website they've had and, uh, in the past. And, and now they're finally going to be fixing the stats. These are all small steps they're making. Uh, but I think it's something they should consider. I just don't expect it to be addressed anytime soon. Anyone that follows both of us on Twitter saw that we were ecstatic with the fact that there's actually games played. And I actually see offensive line stats are coming, Darren, so our wishes are about to be granted. Uh, Obviously, optimism high in Saskatchewan right now, thinking that Chris Jones can do it again. From an outside perspective, past the green fog of optimism that seems to be everywhere in the province right now, what do you expect to see out of Saskatchewan? Ooh, that's a tough one. You talk to some people, and they're through the roof and, and through the moon with their expectations, saying that they're, they're going to be a great cup contender with a quarterback like Darian Durant. I see a lot of personnel turnover on defense. They need to find linebacking help. They need to find somebody to replace Tyron Brackenridge, who I think uh, his days are done with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the way he was yep. treated uh, roster-wise late in the year. Uh, and, and they have a lot of free agents to address as well. I think it's they're in the 30, 32 player range as far as free agents go and a lot of nationals canadians that they have to uh address in that sense as well i'm really not sure but that all said you can never doubt chris jones the job he did in edmonton the last two years with ed hervey in not just finding talent but bringing them together and and really playing a brand of football that is hard to compete against 
the way they you know were able to beat the Calgary Stampeders twice this year, the way they are able to seemingly cruise through uh, you know ten twelve weeks of the season without Mike Riley. Um, you know, doing it with Matt Nichols before flipping him for, believe it or not, just a seventh-round draft pick. Yeah. It showed you what they, what uh, you know, they thought of a guy that really got him through some tough times. Uh, I'm never going to doubt Chris Jones. And yes, you have all of that Eskimo staff with Chris Jones, but then they go get John Murphy, one of the top uh, Canadian talent evaluators uh, in the country. Uh, on top of that, with Jeremy O'Day, this is almost an all-star team of, of uh, personnel men. Uh, in Regina, so I'm not going to count them out. I'm not going to uh, limit them of what their potential is, but I think 500 maybe better. The way they were close in a lot of games this year, yep. I don't think that's uh, that's out of touch. Now, one thing that has been brought up, mostly you see it uh, out of the Edmonton circles, namely Terry Jones, Edmonton's son, writing today that maybe the league should consider bringing back the cap for management and team facilities and things like that. Me, I'm strongly opposed to it. I think if you have the money to put a good product on the field, you should be able to do so as you see fit. Uh, what's your take on it, Darren? Yeah, that's an interesting That's an interesting thing to, to consider. Um, you know, the CFL is a unique entity in that all of its franchises are, are very different as far as their, their positioning in the market. You have teams like Toronto, BC, Montreal that play, uh, you know, in big cities, but maybe in front of smaller crowds. You have cities like Hamilton, Winnipeg, and Regina that play in smaller centers, smaller markets, but play to bigger crowds. Um, I think each team, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm too crazy about a salary cap. This mm-hmm. year, I think, is going to dictate a lot as far as how CFL teams feel about that with all of the movement, with this Chris Jones mass migration from Edmonton yep. to Saskatchewan. I think that's going to change a lot of people's perspectives on it. Uh, but that said, if you have an organization that is profitable, if you you know make money and you have that money and you're willing to spend it to bring in top executives, top coaches, I say all the power to you to do it. We've kind of talked about the vacancy in Edmonton a little bit. Uh, Darren, you're a real connected guy. Uh, I always love following you on Twitter. You always seem to be in on all the scoops and all that good stuff. What are you hearing as as far as favorites uh, for the role in Edmonton? Well, it, really, everybody's talking about Jason Moss. And, uh, you know, I think that would be an interesting hire. I think it's a very quick ascension to being a head coach. Uh, but everybody I've spoken with, and even just the chances I had to speak with Jason Moss, during Grey Cup week here in Winnipeg. He's a very, very intelligent individual, and I've been nothing but impressed. I don't think anybody could could disagree that they are very impressed with the type of offense he put together in Ottawa. You finally gave him some weapons for Henry Burris to use this past year as far as receiving talent, and suddenly you had four 1,000-yard receivers uh, you know, in one team. Um, so that said, I think... Uh, you know, maybe give him a shot. I think Edmonton has nothing to lose right now. Uh, similar to Winnipeg, they tried for a long time to bring in experienced coaches and experienced management, and it was tough to do to get top-end experienced talent. Uh, the timing just wasn't right uh, for a lot of those hires when Jim Barker kind of, uh, you know, uh, wasn't there maybe when, when they had the opportunity to get him. Um, but uh, go young. I think, uh, you know, you have nothing to lose in Edmonton right now. They're going to do their best to retain the talent they have. And if Jason Moss is there, uh, at least people listening in Winnipeg, that might affect the Blue Bombers because the rumor is, I heard today reports, that if Jason Moss gets that head coaching gig at Edmonton, he's going to hire Baron Miles as his defensive coordinator. And he is obviously the top 
uh, defensive assistant of Richie Hall here in Winnipeg. And we've talked about every team in the West Division except the uh, Calgary Stampeders. Now Dave Dickinson is moving uh, into the head coaching role, and Rich Stubler is off to Toronto. Do you see any drop for the Calgary Stampeders, kind of like a fall from grace, especially how they've been over the past five, seven, eight years? Yeah, no, I really don't. I I see Calgary as still roster-wise the most talented team in the CFL. I don't see much of a a coaching drop-off with Dave Dickinson having the tutelage he's had from John Huffnagel the last couple years. Huffnagel is still there. He's still in charge of this team. He's just going to, you know, step off the sidelines and, and, and be in the front office. Uh, and then as far as Rich Stubler leaving, well, Stubler nearly leaves every team after a couple years. I yeah. think they expected it. And Devon Claybrooks, their defensive line coach, is probably going to take over the defensive coordinator duties. I know he interviewed here in Winnipeg a couple years ago for the defensive coordinator role, um, and ultimately Blue Bombers didn't hire him. I think he's a very capable individual. The talent they have in Calgary makes them competitive every single year. And if you still have John Huffnagel in charge, and, and uh, I think Dave Dickinson is going to be a very capable head coach, and I think because he's a capable head coach, they're going to have capable coordinators. Calgary is still going to be a very competitive team. Bo Levi Mitchell is a young man, and when you have a good young quarterback, you're going to be a competitive team in the CFL. Not to mention the fact that they've also added the man with the best eyes in the CFL. And I, I, I've, we brought it up on the podcast before. I am probably the only man in Western Canada with a Ryan Dinwiddie jersey as he is coming over as quarterback's coach there in uh, in, in Calgary. Uh, leaving a vacancy, obviously, in Montreal, where Jim Pop has announced that Cavis Reed will be uh, an assistant coach. Pop has never really overwhelmed me as a head coach, Darren. Uh, always a great, great general manager. Uh, do you think Montreal is finally maybe going to start getting over the post-Calvio hangover? I don't know. Do they got a quarterback? Kevin Glenn, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, maybe Kevin Glenn. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think uh, it, was a, it was a big enough sample size to see what he was capable of there. But they do have a very good defense. Not sure what, what the situation is with John Bowman. He obviously led the league in sacks this year. People in Winnipeg very aware of that with Jamal Westerman finishing second and Bowman, uh, you know, leapfrogging him in that final game of the regular season. Um, but they're a very talented team as well. You never know what you're going to get with the Montreal Alouettes. I'm not crazy about them, but that said, they did impress me at times this year. They ran the football extremely effectively with Terrell Sutton and with other players as well. It got Sutton an all-star nod, and he got my vote as well because he's a very excellent running back. Um, but really, I don't know if Montreal is going to be able to compete with the likes of the Red Blacks. Can you believe we're saying that? I can't believe we're saying that. But compete with the likes of the Red Blacks, compete with the likes of a very talented Hamilton Tiger Cats team. And, and I think Toronto got better as well uh, in upgrading um, you know, their defensive coordinator uh, as well with Rich Stubler. So uh, it's going to be tough in the East this year. It's, it's, I think it's a, a very tough West as well. You know, it's funny that it's, you know, early December. It's, a, you know, a week and a half after the Grey Cup, and we're already talking about the 2016 season. <laughs> yeah. How good other teams are, are. Everybody seems to be improving. So I think it's going to be a very competitive year. I'm just surprised that neither of you guys buried me for having a Ryan Dinwiddie jersey. Oh, I'm just impressed. I'm not even <laughs> mad. I'm impressed. That's the only way I could find you at Grey Cup, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> Who would wear that? Me, apparently. (laughs) I think that's great. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, you did mention uh, Jamal Westerman, and that really uh, set the light bulb off in my head because I saw you mention it on Twitter. The CFL uh, All-Stars were announced today. Uh, the most outstanding Canadian, Brad Sinopoli, is not an All-Star. Jamal Westerman is an All-Star, but he didn't win the award. Uh, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little peculiar. I think it's a little, you know, a skew of how things should be done as far as the voting process. I can't say I voted for Brad Sinopoli, but I definitely voted for Jamal Westerman as most outstanding Canadian and uh, as a CFL All-Star. I think Brad Sinopoli just has a name that people are more familiar with. Obviously, Jamal Westerman is 30 years old, six years in the National Football League, yeah. seven uh, if you include that that last year that he spent uh, just looking for another NFL opportunity after time with the Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but, you know, 17 sacks, 61 tackles, started every single game for uh, a Blue Bombers team. A lot of people didn't know what they were going to get from the defense. I think Brad Sinopoli is just one of those guys like, wow, a Canadian that used to be a quarterback. He's now a receiver, and he... He actually did deliver on, you know, the six-digit contract that he signed per year with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yes, he had 1,000 yards. I believe it was 1,033 yards receiving. But he was on a team with four 1,000-yard receivers. Uh, I just don't know if if he stood out enough uh, to to truly be named most outstanding Canadian. Uh, But I do believe, just my personal feeling, people in the East may be just a little bit more familiar with his name and his storyline because of, of the the really interesting uh, and, and intriguing uh, story that was the Ottawa Red Blacks this year, going from a two-win season all the way to the Grey Cup. Darren, I told you it'd be 15 minutes. It's been a solid half-hour football talk. <laughs> I owe you a, p- a pizza and a beer at Garbanzo's next time I'm in Winnipeg uh, for the extra 50 minutes of overtime. Uh, where can people get more of you, Darren, if, uh, if they like what they hear on the podcast? Where can they hear more Darren Bombing? Yeah, you can uh, just follow me on Twitter. It's just at my name, at Darren Bombing. And uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, you can check out all the podcasts uh, of, our, of our programming or listen live at TSN 1290. You can find those podcasts at uh, tsn1290.ca. A unique thing about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Mike O'Shea's media policy, we can't speak to any of the assistant coaches, any of the coordinators uh, during the season. So we have an interview with Paul Apolise, myself, and Gary Lawless up on there right now. So check it out. It might be the only time you hear from Lapo uh, for the foreseeable future. Until the league gets itself a real media policy, which if you listen to last week's podcast, I definitely went off about. <laughs> we'll talk about that another day. Darren, we'll end this on a happy note. Thanks so much for coming to the podcast. Great stuff, my friend. We'll see you next time I'm in the peg. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Great job. Keep up the good work and uh, call me anytime. It'll be my pleasure. All right, thank you, Darren, for coming on. A lot of great insight there. We we told him we'd have him on for 15 minutes. Uh, I guess we lied. Uh, yep, yep. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, you can usually get a, a pitcher and a slice special at Garbanzo's uh, next time I'm in Winnipeg. So I'll square up with Darren for the 15 minutes of overtime on that one. Perfect. Thanks for covering me, buddy. <laughs> hey, hey, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm pretty sure you paid out the Timbits and, and the coffee from the 2-0 and out Fantasy League. So, you know, then we're square. But I just wanted to, we, we talked about it at length with Darren, and it was great. But you are obviously a big-time Ryder fan. You've been a Ryder fan your whole life. 
what are you what are you feeling on Chris Jones? I mean, I work in the province. I've been covering this whole thing kind of since it started, uh, talking to a lot of the people around the riders, team media, who else? But w- what's your take on the whole thing, man? And I, I wrote about some of this on CFLPass.ca, and I and. It's it's weird because I, I do have Eskimo season tickets, so I've been able to you know go to the games and I, I feel right. like his reputation has taken a drastic turn this really? year uh, because I feel like the the Chris Jones impression that he gave off was basically I'm a jerk, but I'm here yeah. to win. I don't care what you think, and you know with. Not shaking hands, not having the team out for the national anthem, you know, stuff like that. I feel like this year he's gained a lot more respect around the league. His players love him, uh, which, you know, I thought he was going to be one of those hard asses, like, you know, Mm. out of hockey, like John Tortorella, you know, something like that. But he seems like a great players guy. I am excited to have him in Saskatchewan, but I'm cautious about it, and the reason I say that is because all the hats that he's wearing, uh, it's one thing to be head coach and defensive coordinator; it's another to be GM, VP of football operations. So I, I I'm kind of worried about that. But with the announcement of John Murphy coming yeah. in, maybe that is a little bit of Jones kind of delegating uh, a little bit here. I'm very excited. I don't think. Obviously, 2016 is not going to be a Grey Cup year for the Riders, but I'm really excited to have him because this is another one of the things I've been uh, excited about. I feel like the Riders have never had one of those guys that wanted to win at all costs. John Huffnagel, Jim Pop, Wally Buono. You know, those guys, all they want to do is win. They don't really care uh, what you think about them as long as they win. And the Riders have never had that. I think Chris Jones brings that to the table. Well, to me, the Riders had it in Ken Austin before he left. And that's interesting. I, I don't remember Kent Austin, for lack of a better word, being as grumpy as he is now. <laughs> he, he, he gets pretty short with the media. He, he has a little, little sideline outburst. I don't remember him being like that in uh, 2007 before he went down to uh, Old Miss. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they only had him for one year. And that was and, it. And, and what a year it was. I, yeah. I mean, the way I, I think the way I'm seeing the Chris Jones thing is now – that he's brought in John Murphy, and they are going to retain Jeremy O'Day, likely in the same role as assistant general manager. To me, this is this is Jones' subtle way of saying, I'm still the football coach, but I want say in player personnel. I mean, you look at what has essentially become a management dream team, uh, per se. You've got three guys who can meet and all fill full-time general manager roles in Jones with Murphy and O'Day. The three of them working as a trio. I, I don't think that fans should be necessarily worried about him taking on too much because look at the support staff. I mean, essentially the riders, for lack of a better term, kind of created a position to get John Murphy, which you should do when you have a chance to bring in yeah. somebody that's got that much talent and that much upside. So to me, I think I think things are going to be... Uh, this is all going to depend, though, on the riders and free agency. You know what? Uh, you could have... Like Wally Buono in his prime, Don Matthews, all any great... Bud Grant, any great CFL coach, could have coached the riders this year. Year, and they all would have been two oh, for uh, sure. Pardon me, three and fifteen. Don't want to get that one wrong. Come on, three and yeah. fifteen uh, <laughs> on the season. We got to give them credit. They had the three wins. So 
I, I just I, I think it's I think that Chris Jones, the general manager, along with his his team, has to put in one heck of an offseason for Chris Jones, the coach, uh, to be successful. Darren said a 500 start. I- I'm with him on that. I really think the West, West Division is going to be extremely tough, no matter how many personnel. I mean, let's face it, it's Saskatchewan. There's some good pieces on offense right now if they can get them all uh, re-signed. But t- to me, I-, I see a slower progression for Saskatchewan, but I see them really, maybe not even the, the first season of Mosaic, the new Mosaic, maybe the second season uh, being a real serious uh, Grey Cup contender. But I think Jones is going to be all good. I mean, the guy's won a Grey Cup everywhere he, he's been. Uh, he's a defensive genius. It's just his game planning is, is so in depth and he's got the resources and he's got the staff behind him to really succeed in uh in saskatchewan now you're also engaged to an edmonton eskimos fan yes she was not happy <laughs> i i could i could only imagine i know around our house i'm married to a saskatchewan rough rider fan we don't really say much during banjo bowl and labor day i could imagine it was probably one of those days for you in red deer right trev it's funny because what had happened was uh i actually went out to grab some fried chicken uh, I had my phone off. Mary Brown's? No, 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Should you have been driving if you thought 7-Eleven chicken was a good idea? No, yeah, I was completely fine. I always think it's a good idea. Like, how classy do you think I am? <laughs> um, you almost wore sweatpants to my wedding. So. Exactly. So I might go get some 7-Eleven chicken right after this podcast. <laughs> Now I kind of want some. <laughs> so I, I turn my phone on while I'm waiting in line, and it starts blowing up. It was my brother. Uh, Jones got hired in Saskatchewan. I was like, what? Because it, wasn't it Sunday night? Like, I did not expect it to come out at that time. I think Ryan Rashog ended up uh, breaking the story, and uh, I, I instantly got really excited. Now I'm a little bit more uh, realistic, and I actually had a conversation with uh, a member of the Eskimos organization at the Spirit of Edmonton. Now, it was a little bit fuzzy, but uh, I ended up asking <laughs> him, <laughs> I asked, what or how much input did Jones have with the players that were brought in in Edmonton. And he had told me that Shakir Bell was a Jones discovery. Uh, He had told me that Darrell Walker was a Jones discovery last Christmas Eve uh, down south. He actually paid 200 bucks to try out, and Jones obviously brought him in, and the rest is history. Uh, And he had an incredible year. So he does have a knack to finding talent. Now, I do have a question about John Murphy is that a lateral move for him coming from Calgary to uh, uh, Regina? Well, here's what they did. is that Rather than naming him an assistant GM, they gave him a vice president's role, meaning that in the hierarchy, he will technically, I believe, report to Craig Reynolds, but I'm sure it's going to be structured in a way that he's going to talk to Chris. It's not like he's going to go to Craig Reynolds and be like, hey, you need to bring this guy in and yeah. go behind Jones's back or anything like that. So, again, it's one of those things. That's why I said it was a bit – it's not a made-up job title. There's lots of, of titles like that all the way across the league as far as directors of, of player personnel is concerned but he's going to act in a way that all part of that management by committee i think it's just they had to give him the vice president's role so it wasn't a lateral move uh we obviously have nothing to pick this week so no what i want to propose to you instead of a pick will the riders win a gray cup chris jones's his deal is three years will they win a gray cup game yes or no <laughs> oh, man. within the three years of his deal 
So by tw- by the end of 2019. Yes, because we got yeah, 16, 17, 18 seasons he signed for. No, I don't think they do. I think they do. I think they win two. Two? I think they win two. Wow. I was going to say that the Cups start coming in the fourth and the fifth year. Part, pardon me. I don't. Uh, let me correct that. I don't think they win two. I think they get to two. I, I, I meant to say they win the West twice. They'll okay. get to two. Okay. Uh, Won't be next year. I think, I, think, I think you will see Saskatchewan in two out of the next three Grey Cups with Chris Jones in charge. And the reason I've tempered my expectations is because Edmonton is still Edmonton. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's 25 years old. Say what you want about him. Oh, I uh, love Bo Levi. Oh, like... By the it, way, quick quick again, salute to Bo Levi here. Did you see after the locker room sale on Twitter, uh, there was a young fan bought a Bo Levi jersey. His dad tweeted out, said, hey, we'd love to meet you for an autograph if it was ever possible. Bo Levi responded instantly and said meet this me this afternoon <laughs> yeah hey i'm free between two and three this afternoon dm me and we'll figure this out how awesome is that so that's how we set up a podcast interview with him we go buy his jersey oh i like this say hey bo i need this autographed and just show up with a microphone hey i, I was just kidding i just needed to uh get you <laughs> i just look i just look at the autograph i mean realistically he's a great player <laughs> Didn't, didn't I didn't I challenge him to a game of Madden? I should say Brazilian Ty was actually up visiting last week. Yeah, and and he had to quit at halftime. I was hammering him so bad at Madden. Ooh. So again, I'm just throwing down the gauntlet again, Bo Levi. You and me, so a little bit of Madden. I'll come meet you in Calgary. My sister lives there. You know what? I'll even bring I'll even bring some pizza and some wobbly pops, and we'll play a little Madden. Uh, we'll do a little interview. Hey, uh, there you go, Bo Levi. Uh, but but <laughs> regardless, that's exactly what I love about the CFL. Like right? that uh, I is mean, how, cool. how cool is that? That is, uh, as a Ryder fan, and I know we're supposed to be rivals with the Stampeders, I'm sure the Eskimo fans feel the same way. Uh, how do you hate a guy like that? He, well, you can't. A, a guy that no. reaches out to a little kid, a little fan. And you know what? And that's And that's why... I think the players are going to be a big reason why this league moves forward. It's not going to be a new logo. It's And I love what we're made of. I absolutely love what we're made of. Yeah. But it's going to be the players doing things like that. Because do you think that little kid is going to miss a Stamps game? Ever? No! Right? I mean, that's a class move. And I and, and I know lots of players do it. I'm not saying that Bo Levi is the only one. It just happens to be the one I saw. I know tons yeah. of Ryder players do it. They have autograph sessions all the time. You know, they take time out of their day. Any player in the CFL does it. It's just that one I noticed on social media. And and to me, that's what they really need to do. Because, you know, that kid meeting Bo Levi, he was probably so scared he probably didn't say anything. <laughs> but, I mean, he's never going to miss another uh, Stampeders game. But in terms of, of, of the West Division now... I don't think Edmonton's going to be as strong because I think there's a lot of loyalty for you said it. These guys love Chris Jones. This is a wacky free agent year with a lot of one year deals. I think a lot of that Edmonton defense is about to come over to Saskatchewan. He's going to have the resources and money of the riders, which is going to be at least as good as, if not better than what he could spend with the Eskimos to go find more Terrell Walkers, more Shakir Bells. I think Edmonton takes a step back. I think it's, again, I think the Calgary-Saskatchewan rivalry will really be renewed over these next three years because both of those programs are going to be great. Winnipeg's going to improve, and and you know what? We talked about it with Darren. I think Wally was done with coaching for a reason, and I just I know he's great at finding talent, but I just don't see BC taking that great leap forward. But uh, no, that is uh, 
as bold as a prediction as Sinopoli's uh, getting a, a thousand yards and the uh, and the Ottawa Red Blacks winning twelve, I think we see the Riders in two of the next three. Yeah, BC, and I feel like every team in the West has improved without even free agency <laughs> being yeah, open well, yet. Paul Lapolis, I mean, that just yeah. makes, makes the Bombers actually legitimate now. The Lions could be losing Andrew Harris. They could be losing Manny Arsenault. They it could be sounds lo- like they're losing Andrew Harris from everything I've read on Twitter. Yeah. They could be losing a lot of big pieces going into next year. But I do respect what Wally's doing. Basically, if... If they keep losing in either the semifinal game or they keep missing the playoffs, uh, Wally is putting this organization on his back right now. Yep. He wants to win, and he wants to win now. He, he doesn't want to wait two or three years. So respect respect to Buono for coming back on the sideline and putting all the blame on his shoulders. Beautiful. Anything at all we're missing there, Trav, or does that bring this? Uh, I guess it's kind of a mini podcast. It's not quite the full hour we're used to. I do want to mess it or mention that some big things in the future for the Two and Out CFL podcast. We got a notification the other day. I think it was Holy Saturday geez. night. Yes, that I I, I, I I peed a little. I was so excited. Commissioner Jeffrey Orridge follows Two and Out on Twitter. Now he only follows 138 people. I ended up sending out a tweet saying, "Hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast." And instead of just replying to the tweet, he sent us a direct message and a quote, look forward to joining you sometime. Always interested in positive discussion on making the league better. One step at a time, one leap into the future at a time. Uh, Then I wet myself. So in other words, from the phrasing, and I'll give him credit, just from reading the DM and following us an episode after I ripped him. I'll give him all the credit in the world. I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> and to me, that'll be – I'm looking forward to that interview, and I can't wait. We're going to – we'll let everybody know when that's going to happen. Yeah. That might be a special episode all on its own. We've made – we're trying to make the arrangements. It's more Jeffrey – you know, or the commissioner's schedule is so busy right now with the holidays and everything. He even said – he's like, hey, guys, I'm busy. And we said, you know what? Hey, you just tell us when – where and we'll make it happen so that's that's obviously big uh now unless you know the league continues to blow up i guess you'll probably hear from us i would guess sometime around january unless of course we get a phone call from the commissioner tomorrow saying hey by the way i'm good to go um probably hear from us in january where where we're going to look at a free agency preview yeah unless uh unless chris jones hits uh Craig Reynolds in the back with a steel chair and joins uh, the BC Lions or something. <laughs> but, uh, That'd be the best heel turn of all time. <laughs> Good God! Did he hit him with a chair? He's been hit with a chair. He's Reynolds down for the count. Murphy's now in charge. Good God, I'm at it. Chris Jones took the whole staff with him. Good God, there's nobody here to coach the team. Well, they, the Atlantic Scooters are back. Chris Jones takes his staff to Halifax. <laughs> That's the dream scenario of the 2015 offseason. Steel chairs and heel turns. I like it, Trav. All right. Have yourself a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. If we don't talk to you before then, have a great one. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. To and out CFL, and we will talk to you very soon.